about trying to bring back the waterfront. Capital City Riverfront uh, Community um, Forum. Um, as a consideration, as a topic back on the table, um, that back in the 2000s, there was a lot of momentum around the waterfront um, and the uh, realignment of Route 29, but it kind of uh, fell when we, we did not receive the Tiger Grant, um, the city, uh, which is now called the Build Grant. But um, we're trying to bring that conversation back on the table, but not necessarily not necessarily focused on Route 29 as being the you know end all for it to happen. We're really looking forward to making it more of an economic development spur for the city, and not necessarily rely on Route 29 to be realized for that to happen. So this is the, this is the first of many discussions to really make that happen. Um, so we. We hired um, Group Melvin at that time to help us really try to figure out what that strategy should be. Um, and really the thought has been like really coming up with a really strong alliance that's really going out there selling that story to um, political officials, um, all that need to really know, administrations, um, state agencies, so that they understand the importance that Trenton's waterfront needs to be redeveloped and revitalized. Um, so the idea was really, I mean, really creating that alliance to make that really happen from a ground-up perspective and not necessarily waiting for decisions to be made in government. Um, so the, the I'm, what I'm going to do, so are there any questions around that specifically before I move on to talk about the agenda? Okay, good. Um, so today, primarily, we, we decided to make this first conversation to really go back, talk about the history of the waterfront, and then really talk about the, the then, then in the afternoon, really talk about the case studies that we looked at around the country that had a very similar issue, um, and really and really see how they were how they dealt with it in their own way, and, with, and really look at how they how we can actually kind of replicate that those type of efforts to help with our cause. Um, so we'll be talking about case studies after that, um, and then we'll, we'll go into next steps as far as what we plan to do as um, an organization or an alliance um, going forward. Um, this effort, um, we really, um, we, 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 this, this past year, well, actually two years ago, we got a grant from DBRPC, Delaware Valley Regional Planning Commission, to actually help us with this strategy of building that alliance and capacity around trying to make this happen from the ground up, a swelled up type of um, uh, effort. So, um, and also, I, I want to talk, I mean, uh, bring up Ed Clark, I mean, not bring up, but <laughs> indicate that Ed Clark, we, we're doing this in partnership with Trader Trenton. Um, that's, that's primarily how we actually felt like with the coordination moving forward. Um, so, uh, Adam, do you want to get started? Sure. so much for uh, coming out on a Saturday. I know that Saturdays are very precious times for everybody um, and coming out at 1030 in the morning, which, you know, I'm, I'm 36, but 1030 in the morning on a Saturday is still kind of early for me, um, even though I'm up at about seven o'clock in the morning. Um, so I really appreciate you coming out. I, I didn't get a chance to introduce myself. Um, I'm Adam Texa. I work at Group Melbourne Design. I'm the director of planning and design there. 
Um, we have been working in Trenton since about 2014 when we started the visioning process with the master plan. Um, we were hired again by the city in 2016 to do the second phase of the master plan. Um, and as part of uh, that work, we have sort of continued to focus on the waterfront and looking at that. So as, as Jeff indicated, um, the whole process of the strategic planning process has been very interesting, and I just want to take a moment to talk about that process. Um, it was a little bit of like an archaeological dig into the history of this. So when um, DOT finished their work in 2009, which is now almost 10 years ago, um, and the Tiger application didn't come through, a lot of things just sort of fell apart. And so what we've spent a lot of time doing is doing sort of an extensive document review, um, digging into the history of the waterfront, um, digging into the reasons why the project didn't go forward at that point in time, uh, talking to a lot of different people, both at the state and the county and the city level, um, to try to sort of unearth that information. Um, and so what we're gonna do today is we're gonna break this up into two efforts as Jeff talked about. The first one is gonna be a history of that waterfront with a sort of, we're gonna start at prehistory and then we're gonna speed sort of really quickly into sort of more 20th century history and talk about that. And then talk about, about some of the findings that we came to when we started looking at the, the previous planning effort. Um, before I forget, um, Jacques is recording this, so everybody is aware of that. If anybody has any issues with that, um, you can just you know ask not to be recorded if we have a discussion. Um, I do want to admit that it's, it feels incredibly strange to stand up here as a non-Trentonian to talk to a bunch of Trentonians about the history of their own city. Um, we have Richard Hunter over there who um, is a historian and who I actually sat down to talk to all about this and I'm gonna feel really embarrassed um, as, I, as I sort of stumble my way through this history. Um, I mean, Carol Rogers is on the Historic Commission and knows a ton about this. I don't wanna to pretend to, to know everything about the history of Trenton or the history of efforts to reclaim access to the waterfront. Um, what I'm trying to do is pull that together into some um, a, a space into a place where people can have access to it and get quick information access to that so that can inform decisions quickly and they're not spending months trying to piece it all together and I hope that at the end of this presentation um, you all have an opportunity to give us some information and to fill in holes and I am I'm not ashamed to be wrong and tell me where I misrepresented something or where I got a fact wrong okay so any, any questions on that? Great. Um, so this is the, um, oh. yes. So that's just a quick agenda for the, the meeting today. This afternoon, as Jeff said, we're gonna get into case studies, but then we're also gonna get into some activities to sort of talk about what are the next steps going forward. Um, a, a real, Special thanks to Richard on this. I sat down in his office and he gave me a bunch of background information here. Um, so I guess if I get this wrong, talk to him. Uh, no, it's, it's, it's my misrepresentation of that information, if that's the case. Um, and there's a really great document which we'll make out there available, which is this Phase 1A Cultural Resource Survey, um, which, which gives a very, very detailed 
and very thorough um, presentation of disinformation in much more much more detail than I'll be able to get in today. Um, so the prehistory here, um, you know, as everybody is pretty aware of, the Trenton's history owes a lot of, or Trenton owes a lot of its um, history to the relationship with the water, and that's what makes it such a special place in a lot of ways. Um, and the fall line is a really important um, sort of place here. The, basically where um, the, the Delaware is tidal comes right up to Trenton, and that mixes where um, the Delaware River sort of comes down, um, and you get a mixing of fresh and, and seawater is my sort of understanding. But um, the falls of Trenton at a, at a certain point um, were actually, you could you could ford them. You could go across them, and this sort of uh, geological feature um, was was really advantageous because you could come here and you could fish and you could get um, sort of uh, rocks and things to make tools. So there were people settling here before Europeans arrived in in, in North America, and I think that's critical to show how strong of a relationship this area has to its water. Um, we're going to get into, so a lot of the information that I'm, I'm presenting here really is talking sort of about the, the, the sort of downtown area waterfront because that's a lot of where the early history um, is there. But I think there's a lot more information about the entire waterfront on Trenton, um, which I'm hoping some, some of you can give me some information on. Um, so if we go to sort of very early European settlement, um, the Dutch came in the 1930s. Um, I, 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 Maholan, Maholan, I think is how you pronounce that name. I, I don't speak Dutch. Maholan, um, okay. Maholan Stacy came here in uh, 1679. Um, oh, I probably got that number wrong. Uh, 1630. 1630. Um, so this area was really all part of his estate when when this area was originally settled. And I think this is a really excellent image of early Trenton. So what you can see here is um, this is the ferry line that you could get across, which made Trenton sort of a really important transportation node within the entire East Coast. So it was really an important connection between New York City in the north and Philadelphia in the south. It was one of the places where you could get across the Delaware. Um, the other thing, as you can see, is the falls. And, and as I understand, um, there were times of the year when you could actually ford across the falls there. So um, it became a really important transportation route. And so in the sort of 1720s, James Trent, who Trenton would eventually be named after, um, uh, starts to lay out. So just to orient you, and it's going to be hard to orient in some of these maps, this is the Aspen Creek right here. And so he started laying out this whole area north of the Assapin Creek. And then later, um, Robert Hooper laid out the sort of streets from the ferry down here to the Assapin Creek. So, you know, orienting yourself in space at this time, this was a pretty small outskirts settlement that was really built around the ferry. And really, that was a critical economic driver in, in the sort of early growth of this area. Um, so if we keep kind of going forward, um, Trenton becomes established as the, uh, the capital of the, the state, or excuse me, as the capital of the United States and then later as the United, uh, excuse me, New Jersey. 
And what you start to see is south of the Acid Pink, there's a development of this neighbor neighborhood that's called Bloomsbury, okay, which no longer exists today, but it's going to be an important historical element as we kind of move forward. Um, and this guy, John Cox, sort of markets the aerial, and his, it's sort of a funny, it's like his uncle's uh, son's son um, really starts to market this area in a, in a sort of development potential way as an area to come and, and be attracted to. Um, and then, you know, the Trenton Bridge is built. And one of the important things here is, is that in 1842, there's actually a, a rail line that's put over the Trenton Bridge. And it becomes, I think, the first rail bridge in the United States, if I'm, if I'm correct about that. Um, but somebody may have to... I, somebody may have to correct me on that. But again, it becomes a transportation hub in a lot of ways, and that becomes a critical part of what um, makes Trenton so important. So this is this area right here is Bloomsbury. So again, we have the Aspen Creek, and we have the Delaware here. Um, and we have, uh, uh, this is ultimately what would be sort of the, the War Memorial is up this way. Um, and so what you start to see really is a development in the downtown area of a real neighborhood. You start to see a grid that's formed. You start to see um, parcels that are divided up. Um, so it, it really is, and one of the key things here is both sides of the acid pink are really kind of connected into the city. Um, so if, if you keep going forward in time, one of the, the big things that happens is the Delaware Raritan Canal, obviously, and the Trenton water power. Um, so the water power is, a, is an important feature because what ends up happening is, is it really attracts industry into Bloomsburg. So it really attracts industry into the heart of, of Trenton at this point in time. Um, and, and Bloomsbury sort of evolves into this true urban neighborhood. It's a mixed-use residential, commercial, and industrial neighborhood. And in this slide, I think, really starts to show um, the, the, the character of this area. So this is, it, this doesn't exist anymore, but this is Trenton Water Power. So it's a canal, this is the Assapink Creek. And so what you end up happening, have happened is sort of industry lining the, the, the canal sort of leveraging it for water power um, and, and neighborhoods sort of building up in and around those areas. And you know, this is really industrial history. So you have industry, residential, you know, commercial all tied into one. This is before zoning. This is before we said, hey, maybe you don't want to live you know, five feet from a major industry. Okay, this is a really dense packed area. Um, and we we came a, a couple across a couple of really great images we think so this is the Calhoun Bridge in 1950 um, and it's built and this is you can actually see this is the Capitol and that's the Trenton Water Power you can actually see how where it used to run right next to the Capitol um, so as these things start to happen you start you're starting to get much more um, uh, infrastructure investment in Trenton that is driving the growth of Trenton, right? So you have the water power um, is built, you have the uh, Calhoun Street Bridge, which is built in 1955. Um, you have a larger filtration plant, which is built along the water. Um, so these are major sort of infrastructure investments that are changing the face of Trenton and changing the relationship of Trenton with its, its water. Um, 
So a big event in Trenton's history is the flood of 1955. Um, I apologize, I dug around a lot. I couldn't find any images of Trenton itself. So these are, these are pictures of areas outside of Trenton. Um, but you can see the level of flooding that occurred in 1955. Um, there was about 13 inches of rain. And I, I, I thought this, this sort of, um, this statistic was really interesting that water was running at a rate of about 300,000 feet per second, where normally it's running at a rate of 2,000 feet per second. I mean, you're talking about massive movements of water, like a, it just huge amounts of downpouring of rain. And um, as, as Ed sort of explained to me, uh, the Aspen Creek actually cut a new um, cut a new course of river. So this really changed the whole Delaware. And if anybody has been out to um, the Delaware Water Gap, is there, people have been out there. So that whole park was a response to this flooding effort and an attempt to mitigate some of the impacts of flooding on the effort. If you get a sense of the scale of this kind of flooding. We're talking about sort of the Katrina level, massive changing um, environment flooding. And I think it changed a lot the relationship of the city with its waterfront. Um, and so the state house was flooded, the war memorial uh, building was sort of this island down there. Um, and the island section of the South Trent was completely underwater, if you can imagine that. So this is really massive flooding. And it's coming at a time, right, 1950, um, some of you maybe alive at that period of time, I want to make you raise your hands. Um, yeah. But if you think about where the country was in 1950, this is the first time that the United States has, and, and really the world, is starting to understand the power of major infrastructure investments. We're talking about you know, the development of concrete as a building um, structural element. Uh, we're really talking about the development of the U.S. highway system across the entire nation and the full development of that. We're talking about the Hoover Dam. I mean, this is a time when infrastructure was seen as a as solution and major infrastructure to a lot of the, the issues that, that cities were facing, especially with a relationship to their natural environments. So what I, I want to pause here and talk a little bit about Stacy Park because everybody knows about Stacey Park and has heard about it. Um, and I think the, the history of it is kind of interesting. So as early as 1874, uh, the, the, there were people who were calling for a kind of waterfront park in Trenton. Um, the, the, in 1890, this guy, Bernard Ford, was sort of the lead um, advocate for this. But it later got picked up by the Trenton Times um, and in 1904, the state actually purchases 34 acres to build this park. And one of the big things it built, and as you can kind of see right here, is a 12 foot high, basically a retaining wall. And what it was doing is it was taking all of the fill and catching all of the fill into that area. So you're actually establishing a new water line. So if you guys remember some of those earlier pictures, Trenton, the, the Delaware, where Trenton was, was much more, the original um, uh, coastline was much more inland. And so what started to happen is, is you kind of got a built, and you got much more of you know, what is sort of an unnatural edge, a sort of sharp edge to the coastline. Um, and you can start to see some really great pictures of it. So uh, this is 1929, and 
what you can see is this is the Trenton water, okay, or Trenton water power. You have the park down here, you have the Assapink Creek through there, and this is that neighborhood that was the Bloomsbury neighborhood down here. Um, so, and, and you can start to see up here, this is, you know, the downtown Trenton. Um, and one of the interesting things here is, is right, the connections across the, the Delaware, or excuse me, across the Assapink are really strong at, at this point. Um, so if we keep, I can kind of keep flowing through some of these. This is the War Memorial building down here. Um, again, the, the original Stacy Park, the coastline. It's kind of an interesting space because it's, it's huge relative to the size of the city. I think at this, this time, um, residents would kind of see this as a, um, uh, almost a, uh, like a central park size park for the city, the size of relative size. It's not actually the size of, of, of Central Park, but just a big amenity. The one question is, and that I haven't been able to dig up as part of this, is how actively used this space is. So photography in this time period, there's a lot of there's a lot of sort of aerial photography of it, and it's some shots of it on the waterfront, but there's not there's not a lot of shots of people there. So there, there's just a question here of like what role did it play, and some people may, some of you in this audience may be able to help answer that question um, better. So, you know, one of the big things that starts to happen again, we're talking about an era in which infrastructure investment is really big, and, and investment in especially highway infrastructure is seen as really important as a nation. So the precursor to the Delaware Regional Valley, Delaware River Valley Planning Commission is this uh, regional planning federation. And they're sort of proposing a highway, um, a highway system in and around Philadelphia. And there's a, the proposal of this thing called the East-West Highway. Um, and one of the things that sort of starts to happen is um, you, you get the Calhoun Street Bridge um, intersection that's developed. And I, I think that what's interesting about this is you can start to really see in this imagery um, modern construction, right? We're really at a point where it, it's no longer sort of industrial era construction. We're talking about post-industrial construction, highway construction, things that we would more recognize as, as the type of things that we see today um, in, on, in highway systems across the United States. Um, so what you start to see is, and this is from 1963, so there's the, um, the water power is gone, okay, Trent water power has been filled in, and you're starting to get this east-west highway. So this is the Assapink through here. You're now got a parking lot. What was sort of Stacy Park is now turning in more into infrastructure in that sort of area. Um, and in 1958, the, the city of Trenton submits plans to the federal government for redevelopment of 105 acres of sort of downtown. Um, and that is a, that's a big uh, um, uh, section of the city. And you know, there's a lot of things going on here that I want to make sure that we're, we're clear about. Um, so the reports that I can find at that time is saying that because the Trenton water had really, the Trenton water power had really stopped being a, a major function, water power wasn't a major driver of industry around there, a lot of the industrial buildings in that area and therefore like the commercial areas in that building were um, we're going vacant. We're un, unused. 
Um, at the same time, you know, I think it's, it, it would be negligent to not acknowledge that there was some racial and economic um, components to this, right? So in some of the uh, in some of the reports, you read things like, you know, the areas occupied by Negroes and re recent Russian and Eastern European Jewish immigrants, right? So we're we're thinking again, putting our 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 minds back in that time period, and you know, we can see that that was, was certainly a, a played a role in the redevelopment of this area. Um, so in the John Fitch, so the redevelopment was sort of broken up into, into these three stages, which is John Fitchway one, two, and three. Um, John Fitchway one is the only area that actually got redeveloped, and that was supposed to be um, the, what, what is essentially going on right now, which is a state complex area. Um, there were plans for a John Fitchway two, which is shopping plaza and shopping mall, Remember, we're going we're in a time period in which um, cities are seen as kind of dirty, grungy, not a, attractive places to live, and what people want are like these these beautiful shopping malls, right? So this is at the same time period to kind of contextualize this um, that things like the Cherry Hill Shopping Mall were sort of coming about. And you started to have a lot of advertisements about these enclosed malls. They were seen as clean and safe, and they were in the suburbs. Again, you know, there's a lot of dynamics that are going on here, including racial and socioeconomic dynamics and undertones to all of this. And it's all, it's all sort of coming to play in Trenton, in, in one space. Um, John Fitchway 3 was, then was supposed to be a sort of residential section for upper and middle class area. Um, but none of that really gets developed. Two and three never really get put forward. I see, I'll give you, you one second. And the state of New Jersey really becomes the, the primary occupant of these things. Do you have a question? May I just say, the John Fitchway 2, that's where Craper Bridge Mall was supposed to be. Oh, okay. But that fell through under Holland because Holland and the city council were not on the same terms with the developer. Okay. The Craper Bridge Mall, the developer was the same person that made the famous tower, I can't remember what state it's in, but there's a famous um, tower kind of this. In Washington, Seattle, Washington, the, the, the needle? Yeah, yeah, the needle. Like the needle. Yeah, the That's, yeah. The world spirit. Right. That, so that was supposed to be Craig Bridge Mall in that, in that area. And so when that fell through, Craig Bridge Mall went up to Route 1 Lawrence and then and that's how all of our shopping areas and Route 1 had started to burst because of, unfortunately, the talks between Holland and the city council. So where, where is that specifically on the map? Do you know where that would have gone? That's where the, um, um, the asking was covered. Oh, the asking was covered. It was covered. So, so the mall. So, so John yeah, Graham Mall was supposed to go there, and Sears and Oral Constables were fighting not to have that there because take away from their businesses. So I, I'm gonna skip ahead, so this is sort of 1970, and just to orient everybody, um, the ESPY is kind of covered through here, right? And then this is the War Memorial, and uh, this is sort of the area that we've been talking about. Is, is, so where, where was it supposed to be? Where the ESPY was covered. Oh, okay, so. It was covered from the ball. So sort of up in this area, right? Okay. Brief discussion about the Bloomsbury area uh, being uh, changed.